Hello, if you're a Christian who is struggling with OCD, I wanted to offer some additional support this summer. On Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. Central Time in June and July, over eight sessions, I'm going to be providing a teaching time, a learning experience where you can come learn about managing your stress level, dealing with uncertainty, catching that first obsession before it becomes a loop. Dealing with disengaging from physical, mental compulsions, scrupulosity, shame, really any questions that you want to bring to these times I'm open to talking about that have to do with your faith and OCD journey. The most exciting part is that you do not have to be in Tennessee to come. So even if you're in another state in the U.S. or somewhere else in the world and you are able to tune in at that time, you're certainly welcome to do so. For more information, go to bythewellcounseling.com. I look forward to seeing you there. Welcome to Hope for Anxiety and OCD, episode 48. This is your host, Carrie Bach, and on our show, what we do is we focus on reducing shame, increasing hope, and developing healthier connections with God and others. In one of our very early episodes, we talked about prayer. We've also talked on the show about mindfulness in the past. Both of those were great episodes. I encourage you to go back and listen if you haven't heard those. And today, we're talking with author and speaker Rich Lewis about a meditative practice called Centering Prayer. So I'm really interested in learning more about this and how it might be beneficial for people with anxiety. So thanks for coming in talking with us, Rich. I really appreciate it. Sure. Thanks for having me on. I I appreciate it. So how did you get connected with and interested in Centering Prayer? Sure. I stumbled into it in late 2013 in a book. So prior to late 2013, I had read books by Carl McCullman, and he talked a lot about silence and how powerful and transforming it was. But I don't remember him talking about a practice to do in the silence. So at that point, I just would sit in silence, but not really have a practice. And this was probably in 2012, 2013. And then I was simply perusing Amazon, looking for a book to read. And I came across Amos Smith's book, Healing the Divide, Recovering Christianity's Mystic Roots. And in his book, he talked about a practice called Centering Prayer that he had been doing, I think, for about 15 years at at that point. So that immediately intrigued me because I was looking for something to do in the silence which may sound funny, but I didn't know what I was supposed to do in silence. And so I began investigating Centering Prayer, and and obviously his book talked about it. And then I began reading other books on Centering Prayer. And then I started practicing Centering, kind of dabbling in it in late 2013, and then decided to, I'll call it, jump in the Centering Prayer swimming swimming pool on June 1st of 2014 and, and practice it more regularly on a daily basis. So that's really, that's how it happened. I've been attracted to silence, and then I came across a practice that you can do in the silence in late 2013 and and started exploring it, and it resonated with me, and I've been doing it since uh, June of 2014. I know silence can be intimidating for some people, especially in the beginning. Maybe they feel uncomfortable with it. I'm curious for you, when you started out, was there just like this internal 
craving in your spirit for more silence, just a sense of like life is so busy, so noisy, so much going on, like you needed that space? It just intrigued me. I guess I was looking for a new way to relate to God and a new way to pray to God. I guess I was all, I always considered myself an introvert, so I didn't mind being alone at times. And I go into crowds and, and have friends, but I don't mind being alone or taking a walk alone or going in, in nature or going on a walk or, or a bike ride by myself. And, and since I had read Silence Was Powerful, I thought it would be a neat way to sit with myself and, and another neat way to just sit with God rather than talk out loud to God. So it, it kind of intrigued me. Okay. What is centering prayer exactly? How do you describe it to other people? Sure. So centering prayer has been around since what well, was created in the early 1970s by three Trappist monks, so three Catholic priests. They saw transcendental meditation going on and they wanted something for the Christian community. So they created centering prayer. And the method itself actually was found by a Father William Manager, one of the three Trappist monks, kind of found the method of centering prayer in, in an old book called The Cloud of Unknowing. And then the three of them, the, the, the two other priests, including himself, sort of refined the practice and then uh, started teaching it to priests, clergy, and, and rolling it out to the public. So what it is, so it's been around, I guess, at this point for about 50 years. It's, it's meditation, considered meditation and a relationship with God, and, and it's silent, wordless prayer, and, that, and I'll describe how you do it. So the guidelines are you sit comfortably with your eyes closed, and then to begin your silent sit, you introduce what's called the sacred word interiorly, and it really means you're consenting to the presence and actions of God within. The, the word usually is anywhere from one to three syllables, and, and it could be anything, uh, love, ocean, God, Jesus, some type of short syllable word. And then whenever you begin engaging your thoughts as you're sitting there, and what I mean by that is whenever you begin thinking about what you did before your sit, or thinking about what you're going to do when you get up from your sit, you realize that you're beginning to engage your thoughts and plan and plot, and, and, that's not, and you're supposed to let go of them. So you then reintroduce the sacred word to let go of these engaged thoughts, to bring you back to the present moment. And then you let go of the sacred word itself as well. And you do that during the duration of the time that you've decided to sit, whether it's five minutes or 10 minutes or, or 20 minutes, you kind of repeat, repeat that. It's not a mantra. So there are mantra-based practices centering in this with centering prayers just used when needed. And then the last thing I'll say about the sacred word is it, it doesn't have to be a word. Like if you're an auditory person, it may work well. And I started with a word and then I discovered I'm really more of a visual person. So I used an image and I would kind of picture the image and I, and I wouldn't like paint it out and draw it out, but I would just think of that picture and think of that image to bring myself back. So if you're a visual person, if you're more of a physical person, you can use your breath. And then lastly, some people want to keep their eyes open or they're just afraid they'll fall asleep. So they keep their eyes open and, and stare at a spot four or five feet you know, in the distance somewhere and kind of focus on that during the sit. So that's a little bit about you know, what is centering prayer. It's, it's meditation and a relationship with God where you're consenting to the presence and actions of God within and how long it's been around and how you do it. Okay. So when people are selecting a sacred word or picture, something of that nature that they can use and kind of go back to to redirect themselves on the, to the practice, do they usually use the same one each time or does it depend on the day? No, that's a good point. So you should use the same 
word or visual image during the sit. So don't change it because then you'll spend more time. What's my next sacred method? And what instead of really sitting with God? So so use the same method during the sit. Then if you discover, you know what, I think I want to switch a wor- my word, or I think I want to switch to an image, do that on your next sit is what we recommend. And then kind of find the method that works best for you and then stick with it. So as, as I said, I started with a word and then I switched to an image and I've been using the same image uh, for years at this point. What are some challenges that people run into when they start this practice? I guess the first thing they say is, you know, they think maybe they're failing at it because they're, they have racing thoughts and they're using their method numerous times. If you show up, you're doing it right. So they may think that they're failing because they've used their sacred method a hundred times or 500 times. If you show up, you're doing it right. So that's kind of one thing people say. And then another thing, some people will, they'll say, you know, I don't have time for this. And, And I challenge them to do, you know, do this sit anyhow. So so, for example, I, I would challenge people, make it the first thing you do is you begin your day and then get up and, and start your day. And then I encourage people to add a second sit. And I think that's where some people will say, well, I don't have time. I'm too busy. And, and I'll, I'm not arguing, but I'll, I'll say it has a way of giving you back time. It, it, from my experience, you know, I stop what I'm doing and do a second sit right before lunch, no matter how busy I am. And then when I look back at the day, you know, I, I discover that I was very productive and I got done what I needed to get done. And in fact, I really needed this sit because the benefit of the sit is that you're, you know, you're bringing this let go posture that you do in centering prayer into your everyday life. And you're letting go of the tasks that you don't need to do and focusing in on the things that you need to do. So it has a way of giving you back time, but you don't know that until you actually try it. So that, that's another thing. So people will say, I don't have time to do it. And I'll say, I think actually it has a way of giving you back time if you, if you trust the process and trust your sits. I imagine that if you feel calmer after this practice or more at peace, then maybe your mind is more clear to prioritize, like you were saying, of what's the most important thing that I actually need to get done today and what is really inconsequential or can wait till tomorrow. Right. So, and that's exactly what happens is you, you, you know, the gesture or the posture of letting go and opening to the moment, opening to God, opening to life comes with you outside of your sit. So you, you, you take that same gesture or posture with you, you know, as you get on with your day. And, and I have found it, it calms me down, it slows me down and it helps me focus on what I need to do and let go of what doesn't have to happen today. Mm. I imagine that you have different experiences on different days with this, but what are some of the, the experiences or the takeaways that you've received from these moments of centering prayer? So, well, during them, it's not, you're even supposed to let go of whatever your experience is. So if you're experiencing, and I know it sounds odd, but if you're experiencing, you know, joy and peace, and that's wonderful, but you are really supposed to let go of that, come back to your sacred method and just continuously open to the presence and actions of God within. Obviously, you may experience um, painful thoughts because a lot of times things can come up, you know, we, our bodies, I guess our minds hold a lot of, we, we repress thoughts, some of them we don't even know we have, and they start coming up when we do sits. Other times it forces us to 
come to terms with some of our things and they come up. So we, we again, we are to kind of let go of them and come back to, to the present moment with our you know sacred word. So it's more so outside of centering prayer is where you notice the benefits of your practice. So during the practice, you know, our job is just to show up and let go of us and all of our thoughts and, and all of our emotions and open to the presence and actions of God. And let, I think of it as a reverse prayer. God is praying in me what I need, and that can be many things. It could be inner peace, calm, confidence, wisdom for tasks, nudges to get out of my comfort zone and try and do new things. So uh, all of this is happening during my sit, and I'm noticing it outside of my sit, where I'm noticing I feel more confident, or I feel more energized, or I seem to have wisdom for a task that earlier I didn't know how to do, or I feel like I'm being nudged to try and do something new that scares me a little bit, but I know it's going to help me grow. So it's outside of your practices where you notice kind of the the fruits of the practice um, from God, quite frankly. Hmm. So it's an opportunity really for like the Holy Spirit to minister to your spirit. Right. I mean, that's exactly what you're doing. You're, you're sitting with God and letting God act in you and, and just resting in the rest of God and, and trust that God knows exactly what you need um, for even when you get up from your sit. I really like that because there are times where we may feel lost spiritually and we don't even know what to pray or what to ask God for. But just like you're saying, God knows exactly what we need, you know, even before we ask, that's scriptural. So, if we take that opportunity to commune with God and say, okay, I'm here, and I know that God is here, then things can happen that are probably even outside of our awareness. Right. Sure that they do. And and I encourage people, you know, by all means, don't give up your other prayer forms. And I pray other ways as well. Just add a silent meditation prayer like this and and see, you know, enrich, complement your other prayer forms and and enrich your prayer life. It's just, if if you think about it, you know, often we might sit with a friend or someone special or spouse and you don't always need to be talking. You're just together taking a walk or together sitting and looking at, at, at scenery. We're together watching a movie. It's, it's kind of the same thing. You're sitting with God. You don't always have to have words with God. You just sit with God and, and, and like sitting with a friend, a special friend. Words aren't always needed. I like that. I like that. There is truth to that. Tell us about when people are first getting started, is there a length that you recommend that they start with? Sure. So if, if they're concerned, I mean, you know, the Temple of Outreach is really the main centering prayer organization uh, that was created in 1984. And they suggest two sits or, or get yourself up to two sits of 20 minutes. But obviously that could be rather difficult um, for people. So I suggest taking baby steps. You know, one, make it the first thing you do is you get up in the morning before you do anything. And then two, make it five minutes and then begin your day, and then slowly work your, yourself up from 5 to 10 to 15 to 20 minutes. And then I encourage people to kind of do the same thing with the second sit. Take a look at your life. Where does the sit best belong? Is it before lunch? Is it before dinner? Is it after dinner? Is it later in the evening? And only you know when it, when it makes most sense for you. And then take the same approach with that sit if you have to. Start with five minutes and work your way up to, to 20 minutes. 
And then the last thing I'll say is they suggest 20 minutes because sometimes it can take you that long just to still your, the inner voices going on in your head. But, it, but in my opinion, really, any silence is better than nothing. So there's times where my first sit is 20 minutes, and then my one before lunch is seven minutes or 10 minutes. So I, I think it's more important just to take the time for silence because really any silence is better than no silence, in my opinion. Okay. Okay. So what are some of the other benefits that you've seen in your life as you've been on this journey of centering prayer? Sure. When I think about myself before centering prayer and then after centering prayer, you know, even obviously right now into the present moment, you know, it it definitely has changed me. I'm more, I mean, I enjoyed life then, but I think I'm more excited with life simply because I think I'm more present in the present moment and enjoying the present moment, whatever that is. So a practice such as centering prayer helps you kind of let go and, and be present, whether it's for the, uh, the task you're doing or, or enjoying or, or listening to the person in front of you who's talking or, or taking a walk and enjoying the scenery. Um, so it's helped me have a bigger excitement for life and just to be more present for life and more present for people. It definitely gives me wisdom for tasks. Like I'll have things just pop into my head during the day uh, that I couldn't figure out earlier. And so, some of them are, you know, like one example of my, my daughter works at Wawa and it was a Saturday and I'm driving home after picking her up and, and a solution popped into my head on Saturday. I wasn't even thinking about it. The solution to a problem at work popped into my head. So I tried it quickly when I got home. I didn't plan on working on Saturday, but I quickly tried it and, and it worked. So, so I've seemed to notice sometimes solutions to things start popping into my head that, that I was struggling with. And I, I attribute it to, to my centering prayer practice and kind of clearing the clutter. So that kind of stuff, I think I'm a much more confident person. And I'm definitely more willing to get out of my comfort zone and try and do new things, which is really what I've been doing since I've been practicing centering prayer. I've you know, created my website and I get out and teach people and I work with people one-on-one and I've written a book and, I'm, and I get out and talk to small groups or even one-on-one about the book. And these are things that I probably... I. I I don't think I would have done previously. I think they, they would have made me nervous. Just the idea of doing all those things would have made me very nervous. And I, and I never would even, never would have tried them. But centering prayer has given me a boost of confidence or God has given me a boost of confidence just to trust me. And that's together continue to move forward. That's awesome. I think that that's great. Yeah. That so much has changed for you. And we'll certainly put the links into the show notes regarding this, but I know that you wrote a book on Centering Prayer. Tell us a little bit about that if people are interested in in reading more and getting their practice going. Sure. The book's called Sitting with God, A Journey to Your True Self Through Centering Prayer. And hard to believe it, the next month it'll be out one year. And um Really, what caused me to write the book was, you know, I had I had mentioned earlier that Amos Smith, I discovered Centering Prayer in his book that I read in late 2013, and then I began kind of an email dialogue with Amos via his website, and then we really became friends along the way, and I began initially working with him off of his site. He's the one that actually challenged me to write a book. Um, he he saw that I had a 
big interest in centering prayer and he thought you know his book was more academic and that i might be able to approach it a, a little bit more laid back than than his book did so he actually challenged me to write a book so at the time i thought he i thought he was crazy because i had never really written anything long longer than six seven pages in college um but he he challenged me to think about what is centering prayer and what does it mean to you and just write single sentences. So I, I did that. And then I came back to him with about, I remember 15 or so sentences. And then in his mind, he said, there's your chapters, go write your book. Well, I didn't think it was as simple as that. So I, I picked one of them. And then I took a couple of weeks, wrote that chapter, sent it to him. And I just wanted to get his reaction. And to my surprise, he thought it was, you know, fresh and, and neat and had something interesting to say. So at that point, it dawned to me that well, maybe I really can do this. So I kind of checked in with my wife and I said, how do you feel about me taking time to write a book? And she said, do it. So I decided to write the book. I didn't want to take time away from the family. So this is pre-COVID. The book actually got written mostly on Saturdays, believe it or not, Saturday mornings in Starbucks. So I, I would get up at about 5.30, put on a baseball cap, grab my laptop, go to the local Starbucks, you know, get a cup of coffee, open the laptop. And, and that's really where the book got written over probably two and a half years or so, because then the next step after that was really kind of editing the book and then approaching publishers to see who, who would want to publish it. So that's really how the book happened. It happened because Amos challenged me to, and I'm really glad he did because those Saturday mornings were, they were really neat spiritual exercises for me because other than the one chapter I did, which talks about Jesus and what do the scholars say we know that is true about him, where I had to do some research of listening to some of the scholars and reading some of them, taking notes down, and then then deciding from my notes, what am I going to put in that chapter? The other chapters, I, I knew basically what I wanted to write about, and I just needed to let the words naturally flow from my heart to my fingertips and onto the the laptop, so to speak. So it was a really neat spiritual exercise. So that's how the book, that's really how the book, you know, got, got done. Okay. So towards the end of every podcast, I like to ask our guests this question. Um, what is a story of hope, like a time where you received hope from God or another person? Sure. So this is going back to 19, about 1997. I'd been married for five years at that point, And my wife and I, we joked around about this, that we're on the five-year plan. We wanted to be married without kids for five years. But then after five years, we wanted to you know, have a family. And we weren't able to. It wasn't working the natural way. So we decided we needed to explore other ways to have children. And, and so we did a lot of praying to God. And the pastor of our church actually knew somebody within the church that was also adopting, and they were adopting from Russia. So we were put in contact actually with, with that agency. And normally it takes a lot longer, but in our case, it only took us about six months from, from contacting the agency, doing all the stuff you needed to do, and then flying over to, to pick up your child, it actually took six months. And, and in six months of, <laughs> of beginning contacting them, you know, we adopted our, our first son, uh, Benjamin Lewis. At, we actually um, saw him on his first birthday. So we, we adopted him day after his birthday because I remember celebrating his first birthday in the uh, adoption where he was living. And then we actually phys uh, legally adopted him. I believe it was the next day. 
that was just something where it was just a lot of hope and praying about we wanted to have a family and we were god telling us you know that i want you to adopt adopt a child obviously we adopted ben and then we went back to russia actually in 2002 and adopted gabriella so ben is now almost 25 going on 25 gabriella we adopted in 2002 she's now 20 and then they say this happens you're, you're just relaxed or whatever we were able to have children and joshua came along and then we have a natural uh, joshua our biological son but all three of them are our children and they all love each other and we don't consider them biological versus adopted they're just our three kids joshua is 13 so we have a 13 year old a 20 year old and a, a 24 year old that's what God wanted us to do. God wanted the, the first two. He wanted us to help two children that needed a home, and we did. And then he wanted us to obviously have Joshua, so we did. <laughs> so you're triply blessed with children. So it was just just a neat experience. Just an, I, I never thought I would go. To, I, I think when all said and done, I think I was in Russia five times. Never expected that I would be visiting Russia five times for, uh, with this adoption process, but so that no, it was just a wonderful experience, and we have we're blessed with three, you know, three great. I still call them kids, even though they're two of them are not quite kids anymore. Three great kids. Awesome, yeah. Thank you for sharing that story. That's a good one. Well, I appreciate you just educating myself and our listeners on centering prayer. This definitely sounds like something that. I want to add to my practice and even if it's just in a small way and maybe it'll grow and build from there. And I hope that some of our listeners try this out as well. So thanks for coming and sharing with us. No, thanks for having me on and hopefully this is, was helpful for your community. So thank you very much. Hope for Anxiety and OCD is a production of By the Well Counseling in Smyrna, Tennessee. Our original music is by Brandon Mangram. Until next time, may you be comforted by God's great love for you.